Hello, everyone, and welcome to Leading Indicator, a show by public.com focused on gaining insight from the world's best macro minds. I'm your host, Kyla Scanlon, and we are here with you today, today to discuss the Fed's recent rate hike pause. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more in-depth interviews that will help you keep up with the latest investment news. Today, we are here with Joseph Wang, CIO at Monetary Macro, and previously a senior trader on the Open Markets desk, and knows a lot about the ins and outs of the Fed. And we're going to discuss the Fed's recent rate decision. Joseph, welcome to public. Hey, thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to meet you, Kyla. Yeah, it's great to meet you too. We see a lot of each other on Twitter, I think, so it's nice to (laughs) be in person uh, or virtual. Uh, So the Fed, as we all know, announced that they will pause hikes after their June meeting, keeping the target rate between 5% to 5.25%. What was the reasoning in your mind behind this rate hike pause? Some might call it a skip. And what are your thoughts on the move that they did? I think Trepao had a Freudian slip there. He called it a skip as well, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. my sense is that the Fed, like Trepao was saying, they did a lot of hikes aggressively and they want to wait to take a look to see how that filters through. I think there's some disagreement on the FOMC as to how to proceed. So it was really easy to get everyone on the same page when we were at zero and going from zero to 5% when inflation was almost 9%, right? So now that we're really... You know, 5%, we've hiked a lot. I think it's harder and harder to get agreement on the FOMC as to what to do. And so one way the chair Powell could get everyone on board was to agree to, you know, let's just, sure, let's give it a little bit more time and uh, see how things turn out before we proceed any further. One other thing that I would note is that, uh, as we've all know, core inflation, which is what the Fed follows, has remained high and sticky, stuck between 4 and 5% over the past several months. But headline inflation, which is the inflation that most people in the public experience, has been coming down steadily. And I think that gives Chair Powell more confidence to kind of pause a little bit because uh, that means from his perspective, I think, is that inflation expectations remain more anchored. So if you're a central banker, what you're really worried about is uh, inflation expectations become unanchored because if everyone thinks that prices are going to go higher, uh, that might change how they behave every day. But if headline inflation is trending lower, and that means there's less of a risk of inflation expectations becoming de-anchored. And so I think that gives the community a bit more comfort and less urgency to do do more rate hikes. But I would also note, though, that even though this pause was well-telegraphed, I think it was a pretty hawkish pause. In fact, it was, I think, as hawkish as it could possibly be. Uh, the reason being, of course, is that not just did they raise their expected um, Fed funds terminal rate, uh, Fed funds end of year rate by 50 basis points. So on the median expectation being two more hikes this year, but there seems to be widespread agreement on the FOMC that we would take, we would need about two more hikes. So if you look at the actual dot plot where each individual FOMC committee member marks down where they think the federal funds rate should be at the end of the year. Now, I was expecting more of a disagreement because, again, like I mentioned before, there's more of a it's it's more difficult to get agreement going forward. But it was surprising a bit to me uh, to see so many people coalesce around two more hikes or more two or more hikes by the end of this year. 
Yeah, yeah. No, it seemed like the whole meeting was about like we are just doing this for now and don't expect us to keep on pausing in the future. They were definitely preserving a lot of optionality. And so when you think about, you know, this hawkish pause, what do you think that means for the future of monetary policy? Like, do you see them able to execute on these two hikes that they seem to have planned? So I would take a step back and look around the world. So around the world, countries that are similar to the U.S., let's say the EU, Canada, Australia, the UK, they're experiencing high and sticky inflation, just like the US. And just like the US, they all hiked aggressively. And a couple of central banks, the Bank of Canada and the Bank of Australia also paused, just like the Fed has paused. But what happened in both of their cases is that they paused, looked around and realized that inflation is not going away. And so they actually resumed hiking. Uh, the Bank of Canada in particular paused in January was taking a you know taking taking a victory lap and then a couple of weeks ago and at their last meeting they began hiking again so my sense is that the fed is going to do the same thing uh, what i'm getting the sense of is that so all these central banks in the western world are facing the same problem but they also have a similar toolkit and similar way of looking at the world they all get their econ phds in some fancy us university and my sense is that they're their way of looking at the world is not working uh, from their models or from their perspectives. You know, first of all, this inflation shouldn't have, have happened. And even if it did, you know, I hiked rates a lot. It, it should be coming down. But as we've seen time and time again, uh, the world just doesn't work the way that they think it does. Um, look at the Fed's projections, for example. In March, their projections were, you know, GDP would slow down, unemployment would go up, inflation would come down. Their revised projections, published in June show that that has not been the case. So what I think this pretends for monetary policy is that we are in kind of a, perhaps a regime change. The world is maybe behaving differently today than it did in the past. And so all the tools and all the theories that we have in the past are, are not working well. So we're going to have to grapple with that going forward. Uh, so I suspect that the Fed will, will have to uh, resume hiking as the other central banks have done and the terminal rate is probably higher than the market expects. Oh, wow. I mean, it's interesting, too. Like, we're not even really sure where the inflation is technically coming from. Like, there's a lot of arguments about greedflation. Is it supply and demand? Is it the wage price spiral? And it seems like the Federal Reserve is having to take a step back on that, too, and be like, well, maybe workers don't have the power to command inflation. Um, so do you think that their toolkit will evolve because I mean, rate hikes are one of the only things that they have as well as shrinking the balance sheet. Or how do you so see them doing that's that? That's a really, that's a really important question. So Fed hiked rates, what is it supposed to do, right? Now, Chair Powell is in agreement with you, Kyla. He doesn't think that there's a wage price spiral, but he does think it, he did not think that high wages caused inflation, but he does think though, citing the recent Bernanke paper that in order to get inflation down, wages also have to come down. And I think that that makes sense as well, even though they're not necessarily a primary driver. Now, from the Fed's perspective, I think that it's hard for me to see how higher rates is, is going to get inflation under control. So I'll, I'll describe how I think about this, how this works. And actually, Chair Powell actually said that provided the same description at his testimony in Congress a few months ago. So rate hikes are supposed to work by one, slowing down interest rate sensitive sectors of the economy, like housing. Two, of course, it's going to supposed to have a, um, I guess, reverse wealth effect by making financial assets a little bit 
less ebullient, and three, it's supposed to strengthen the dollar and tackle inflation in that perspective. If you look at all three of these channels, it's simply not working. Now, the Fed hiked rates significantly and mortgage rates are around 7%. If you ask anyone a year ago, they would have said that, you know, this would be a housing apocalypse. And yet, uh, as I recall at the press conference, I think Chair Powell kind of called the bottom in the housing market, noting specifically that it seemed to, uh, you know, kind of stabilized earlier in the year and now prices are trending higher. And if you look at the stock price of home builders, they're all soaring to towards new highs. Um, if you look at, if you listen to the earnings conference of any of the home builders, they'll give you a pretty big, pretty upbeat outlook. So higher interest rates have not slowed down this interest rate sensitive sector of the economy. Construction jobs continue to grow. Home builders continue to build. So that, that mechanism is not working. So, uh, so I think just some more uh, context, it, it seems to be because that so many people are locked in low mortgage rates. They don't yeah. want to sell their current homes. And so that means that the builders have more market power. And so they're doing very well in their business. But even if you look at stuff like autos, auto finance rates have risen a lot, but total vehicle sales continues to climb. New car prices continue to rise and used car prices also continue to rise as well. So that first lever not working all that well. Second lever reverse wealth effect. Well, I think we can all look at the stock market and you can see that they're not getting the hint, right? So <laughs> it seems like it's gone up every single day the past month. Uh, maybe it has, I, I don't know, but that, that's not working either. So that's a problem because when you have all these people uh, looking at their brokerage accounts, seeing that their brokerage accounts going up every day, well, that, that makes them feel wealthier. They can sell those stocks and take that money to buy real goods and services. Now I, no, I, I'm based in Las Vegas, and I've seen many Porsches with BTC in their license plates. Oh, wow. uh, I guess soon I'm going to see some NVIDIA in their license plates <laughs> as well. So that's not working either. And the third thing, of course, is the dollar. And the dollar has, has been weakening significantly, uh, at least markedly over the past few weeks, especially today as we're recording uh, June 15th. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure how this is supposed to work for them. Mm -hmm. I'm getting the sense... Uh, there's some hope for some immaculate disinflation. Um, but again, going back to my core view, uh, they only have a couple tools, as you noted, Kyla. And so they're going to have to double down, which is why I think the terminal rate is higher than the market expects. And with the terminal rate being higher, like I think one of the reasons, you know, Powell sort of pushed back against it, that they skipped or paused was because of banking health, because of the systemic issues with how banks were positioned or some banks were positioned. Um, so what are your thoughts on him sort of not commenting on, on that? And do you think that banking health and health of the overall market and economy could also be the reason for the skip? I think that's, I noticed that as well. So Chair Paul was asked many times, you know, can you give us some color of what you're hearing about bank lending conditions and so forth? And he just punted on that, mm -hmm. which is really strange because as you noted earlier, part of the reason that, that they kind of moderated their projected rate hike path was because they were afraid that there, there might be some significant um, you know, contraction in the banking sector. So what I took from the conference, even though he didn't say anything, was that things were actually better than expected. So I, I based this on a couple of things. So we've had a couple of Fed presidents speak in the intermediate period, and they've noted that they were worried about bank lending contraction, but they haven't really seen much uh, do in their own sector. No, so bank lending overall definitely contracting, but 
not especially because of the panic in March, which is what people were worried about. Now, the second thing that I note is that every uh, FOMC participant, you know, they get a lot of data about what's happening with banks in their district. We got a lot of regulatory information and they're talking with them all the time. Now, they independently come up with their dot plot projection based upon their own their own economists and their own district. And, you know, a great majority of them just were comfortable with hiking 50, 50 basis points or more. Now, they individually put that dot plot down for two more hikes based upon all the information they're receiving in their district. Now, that, that tells me that they're, what they're seeing in their district is, is not as severe as they had anticipated earlier. And just to take a step back, if you look at the aggregate banking data, loans and leases by commercial banks, it's definitely slowed. Uh, it was slowing before March, uh, just ticking up slowly. So it does seem like credit creation is slowing, but not especially so uh, since, since March. And I think, you know, the other thing that has been almost impressive about how the Federal Reserve has managed this is the labor market. Like the labor market has been mostly okay. And I think, you know, in previous conferences, press conferences, Jerome Powell would sort of point to that and be like, oh, wow, like we, you know, it needs to chill out quite a bit. Um, But how do you sort of think about the strength of the labor market relative to what the Federal Reserve is trying to achieve? I think these are, there are very strong demographic forces that suggests to me labor market strength is going to be persistent for the next several years. Uh, when I take a step back and look across the Western world, all Western countries are experiencing the same thing. And I think, so that, that tells me there's a big macro driver. Now, just taking a further step back. So, you know, in the 1980s, people decided to have smaller families. Now, this is something that was new. Uh, before them, everyone had, had big families, so our population continued to grow. Now, since we have smaller families in the 1980s and 70s, well, today we have a, uh, a workforce that's growing at a much smaller pace. In fact, in, in other countries, uh, they're actually shrinking. In the US, they're just basically not growing. Um, that's a big change. You now, for if you look, past, look at the past few hundred years, our country has continued to grow, more people joining the labor force. That's not happening anymore. Um, so there, there's gonna be a structural, I think, if not decline, at least a plateau in our labor force for the next few years. And that's going to be a great time for, for labor because labor is going to be in demand. They're going to get higher wages, but also a headache for the Federal Reserve because there's not all that much you can do about that. You can definitely hike rates significantly, but as we discussed, you know, it doesn't work all that well and uh, you might end up overdoing it. Mm-hmm. And I think the labor market it would be more privy to supply side solutions, like how do we actually productively expand it? Um, that would probably be better than trying to raise rates yeah. to... Yeah. It takes 20 years yeah. to, to produce a new worker. <laughs> it so really they, does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. there's some talk about immigration, but mm-hmm. you know, because this is such a global problem, where, where do the people mm-hmm. come from? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, definitely a lot of problems that don't have immediate solutions. Uh, and I think like, so this will be the last question, but, uh, you know, there's the market and then there's the economy and we tend to sometimes mix the two up. Um, so the market is pricing in some stuff with the Federal Reserve, you know, looking at what they're planning to do with terminal rates. Um, and the Fed sometimes pushes back against the market, like Kashkari said, that they were playing chicken with the market. So how do you think that the Fed and the market interact? Like, what are your thoughts on that dynamic there? Um, so, Paul, I believe last year 
suggested that they, they aren't giving forward guidance anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, that's that's not true because every time they speak, the market is taking some guidance out. Or when they present their dot plots, the market is taking inferring some information there. Uh, the question is just how how much do they want to control the messaging? So Chirpao is saying that they're data dependent and letting the market you know do what they do without too much forceful pushback. And I think the reason for that is because over the past two years, th their guidance just hasn't been very good. Mm -hmm. uh, they were seem to be very adamant on keeping rates low uh, back in, in 2020. And, you know, it turned out that, you know, that that wasn't the right move because inflation roared up significantly. And to be perfectly fair, central bankers around the whole world were wrong footed on that. And some actually gave much worse specific forward guidance than, than the Fed. So I don't think that they're going to do much to try to massage the markets to try to price in what, what they think the rate path should be simply because I feel like they have significant amounts of uncertainty. And so they really are just going to go uh, meeting by meeting and look at the data. But in, from my perspective, that, that's also a problem because, um, you know, in, in a sense, the market also reacts to what the Fed doesn't do. So if you look at the 10 year Treasury, for example, it's below 4%, right? And so if you look at the longer dated Fed funds futures, you, you have you still have people thinking that maybe we'll be cutting rates next year, and we definitely won't be raising rates another 50 basis points this year. Now, that's going to have a direct impact on economic activity um, that that could make the Fed's job more difficult than than they expected simply because you know the market mm -hmm. doesn't fully believe the fed is going to be as aggressive as, as the fed is currently thinking it will yeah it's funny the market is almost a tool that the fed can use within itself sometimes and the expectations that they can create for it exactly yeah well thanks so much joseph this was really awesome and people can find you on twitter but where else can they yeah you can check out my writings at fedguide.com uh, where I post my latest uh, research and my latest market thoughts. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been great. Talk to you soon.